Excellent. Um, so, as Leonard said, I, I want to encourage you guys to listen to his one as well, <laughs> because otherwise it's going to feel a little bit uh, ill-balanced on the one hand, and then you're not going to listen to the other side. So, yeah, like like you said, I want to I want to chat about how, in a sense, not to judge um, other people, because I think we live in a society that our, our opinion counts. Your opinion counts. Every man has an opinion. Every opinion is, is, in a sense, bigger than the, the previous one. And we, we bring that into, um, then into the church to a place that your opinion counts. And although, to a large extent, we want every voice to be heard, how it's heard and how it's brought is sometimes quite different to how it should be brought publicly. So I really want to look at Scripture. I'm going to look at a lot of Scripture tonight and really try to bring a balance to this thing that we call speaking into one another's lives and how actually not to judge. And then Leonard would take the next session, actually how do we do this thing with every opinion just screaming out against the other one. So before I start, I actually want to pray for us and just position our heart a little bit because we always love to listen to a message and we might get a lot of knowledge, but then we think about the message and we're like, I hope that person heard that one sitting on the other side, that I know about should hear this message. But we never look at ourselves and like, yes, Holy Spirit, what are you busy speaking to me tonight? Lord, come and cut my heart. There's, um, as I was preaching, in a sense, in, there's like a little park next to us. I was preaching through this and I, I put in brackets, repent, because the Lord cut me to the heart that I need to repent because of this in front of the whole congregation because I've seen much of this in my own life and I'm like, oh, kumbaya, now I need to preach about this. So let's close our eyes and let's trust the Holy Spirit to come and do a deep work uh, in our hearts. Holy Spirit, we, we invite you. Would you just position us, position our hearts to receive you, Lord? Even if we've become callous and not, um, yeah, at times we've overlooked sin, Father, and, and we know that you are gracious and a merciful God, but there is a time that you draw the line, you say, no more further than from here, and I want to do a work in us. And Father, I do trust that you will come and do a work in us, that ultimately we can reflect you better and love your church into glory in jesus name amen so you guys would see on your groups um, there is a semi powerpoint you may look on your phone Um, if you don't have it you can just look to the person next to you but it is how to judge the modern day pharisee the modern day pharisee refers to the pharisee of 2000 years ago that was a group of people in the days of jesus there was actually a religious group in the jewish community that was actually very devoted to God and the things of God. They thought they knew it all and they they pursued God and they created all of these rules and things like that. But I think we can learn from the Pharisees in a way that they focused so much on the outward and forgot about the heart. That they were people that exalted themselves to a large extent even above God and say the people need to start to sort themselves out. That the Pharisee, what they did is that there came a point that they, they to extent, say the people need God and we are right because we have the law. And they exalt themselves to such a place that they actually, when God came in flesh, they missed Jesus. And how easy is it that that was the church of the day? That was, that was the church. 
That was the people of God. And that when God came knocking, they're like, we don't want that Jesus. Because they were so, in a sense, puffed up in their own knowledge. I'm going to read us a scripture where I believe they missed it. Um, Matthew 23, verse 25 to 26 says the following. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup. Now I want to cry again. I don't know why, what's happening <laughs> with me and my preaching. You clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees, first clean inside the cup and the plate, and the outside also may be clean. Luke 6 verse 45 says, A good person out of the good treasures of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of the evil treasures produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. I believe the Lord wanted to transition us a little bit from uh, exterior just doing Christianity to a heart that is transformed. And I spoke to Leonard in this week and it was awesome that he said that we, we sometimes go to an apple tree and we take our paint and we paint the apple and make sure that the fruit looks great. But that's not the appropriate way to bear good fruit. We need to go to the root. We need to go to the heart. And that the Lord come and do heart surgery. Not like the Pharisees that do, a, in a sense, a, be, a behavior modification. Just the exterior looks great. But the inside, we are rotting away. And I believe there's, a, there's actually, and I, and I wrote it here, there's a, there's a gospel called the self-help gospel. That is such a false gospel in our day and age. Also a productivity gospel or a, or a productive gospel that goes around that if you improve 1% every day, it will accumulate and one day you will become this great person. And it's so motivational. I went into this thing. I'm like, if I can just get the atomic habit bomb thing going, if I can just get the right things in place, if I can just get the right systems because I love systems, I love to be productive with my day, then I will be okay. And then we take that concept and we bring it into the church and we kill Christianity. Because we can just do it without God. We can look, we can smile, we can laugh, we can even worship rightly. And God is knocking at the door and saying, I want to come inside. God wants unity in His church and He will do it through us. He prayed that let them be one as me, Jesus, and the Father are one. I'm just like Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what you're praying. How can we... Look at the people around you. Everyone here is probably quite weird in some sense. They have their own hobbies and their own things and their own stuff. And now we need to be one as God the Son, God the Father, and God the Holy Spirit is one. But he prayed it so we can pursue that thing in the church. So when I speak about judgment tonight, I'm going to speak about how not to judge. And it might feel like, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't go in that direction. But hear my heart that there's a way in God that he wants us to live out. And it's a way of love. It's a way that we speak in gentleness. And it's a way that we actually exalt one another into the more of Jesus rather than break down the church of Jesus Christ. So when I speak about judgment, I do not refer to outside of the body of Christ. 
I do not refer to judgment and criticism and speaking into one another's lives on the street, but I speak in, in the context of the body, in the context of your community, in the context of your friends that call themselves Christians. In that context, how should we treat one another within the body of Christ? So what I want to do, I'm going to... Um, I'm going to see if I'm going to finish. I might skip a couple of points. But I want to go through eight to nine points. And all of the statements would start with, you judge someone wrongly when? And then we're going to go into something. And I want to go through eight or nine of these statements of how we judge somebody actually wrongly within the context of church. Number one, and you can read it on your phones as well. It says, you judge someone wrongly when you assume that you know all the relevant facts and motives behind the person's words or actions. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 7 says the following, Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. The second, the second thing that's mentioned in that verse speaks about believes all things. And to believe all things I wrote here means to give the benefit of the doubt. It means that we expect the best of the person in front of us. It means that we can overlook the offense and failures of others. But when we sometimes look at people, we judge them by their actions and not by their intentions. But when we judge our own actions, we judge our own actions by our intentions rather than what we actually did. So what we do is, oh, I know my heart. I know my heart. I, I, it didn't come across that way, but I knew my heart. But when somebody else uses exactly the same line as you, you're like, oh, trying to be a Christian again, you hypocrite. Look down on a person, look at him, and, and you start to make assumption of what he actually meant, and you don't give him the benefit of the doubt. Do we jump to a conclusion immediately in our hearts about someone when you see something wrong? Do we immediately jump to a direction of, oh, that's probably what they were thinking. Oh, probably that's what they were doing. Or do we give them the benefit of the doubt that they just had a bad day? We're not excusing sin in this church. But even Noah, when he, when he did sin and he was drunk, his two sons was blessed that he covered his nakedness. Love covers a multitude of sins, says the Bible. Maybe we need to be a little bit more gracious like Jesus and not accusing like Satan. I'm going to read something here for us in view of this first point. Perhaps you are struggling to believe all things about others in, in our church. Perhaps you are quick to expect others to fail. Perhaps you don't believe that others will respond to things like they should. You doubt that they can and will do what they promised. So you immediately question mark them. You believe that they will fail. You believe that they will fail you. Failure to, to believe all things is marked by suspicion. We suspect that others are being deceitful, hiding their true intentions and motives. That guy just wants to perform. Why is he always in front? Why is he always jumping so high? And we make, an, in a sense, a judgment on somebody before we even know what's going on in his heart. 
You believe that despite someone's own words that they are up to no good. It is marked by dissecting the actions and remarks of others. We actually anticipate, anticipate being laid down and prepare our critique. If they do that, I'm going to tell them that. If they give me that word, I, I know what I'm going to say. And we start to have like this debate in our mind and that person did nothing. Ever done that? Yeah. Especially when you're in school, especially the money around you. If you came near a club and you were like me, then we went out to go and fight. But before you go out into the club, you're, like, you're, sit, you're sitting at, in your room like, I'm going to go in and the guy's going to push me and then I'm going to... And you make up this whole fight in your mind and then I'm going to right hook him and he's going to fall and then his friends are going to come then I'm going to retreat and my guys... You make up this whole fight and it didn't happen. And you're laughing because it's true. <laughs> it worked every time. You always win the fight. You're always right even. You never looked for a fight. He just came at you. And there's something we do that in the Christian circles as well, that we don't give the benefit of the doubt, but we just believe that their heart's intention is always to hurt you. And that's our own hurt projecting on other people. It's our own hurt just coming out. 1 Corinthians 13, 8-9 says, Love never fails, but where there's prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. Guys, we know in part. We don't know all the facts. So let us not approach a person knowing all the facts. Now, I know exactly what they meant when they said that. I don't know, eh? We might miss it. Point number two. You judge someone wrongly if your tone of voice and heart is one of attack and not of gentleness and love. It's not always important what you say, but how you say it as well. Galatians 6 verse 1 says the following. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit, and those who live by the Spirit are sons of God. So if you call yourself a child of God, it's referring to me, to you. If you live by the Spirit, should restore that person gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. And this is something that I, that I have seen crept in us a little bit, that we actually forget that loving people is in the Bible. <laughs> that we approach people not with a, a gentleness, with a softness, but we're like, this is right, and this is wrong. Let's get on track, guys. Because we need to get things done for Jesus. But how will they know that we are His disciples? By the, by the love. By the love we have for one another. When they see the love, when they see, that's like a song, when they see the love. Uh, when they see the love in the church, when they see how we live for one another and cover one another, and that when somebody really messed up, but we restore him in gentleness. You see, isn't that glorious? The whole world, you can, it doesn't take you 10 seconds to be on Facebook and people are pointing fingers. Did you see what happened there? You go on Facebook all of a sudden and things are just crazy and they're pointing fingers at one another the whole time. Shouldn't we be different? Shouldn't we come in an opposite spirit to say loving one another? 
And all of this, I'm not saying that judging is outside the door and we don't judge inside the church. There is a godly way to judge. There is a way, but isn't it in a different way than how the world does it? And Leonard will speak about that, but let's not throw it out the window, but let's just tweak it a little bit to come and restore one another. Leaders, leaders, let us not forget that we were once a baby Christian Somebody came to us in gentleness and in kindness. I need to remind myself daily about this. We need to restore ourselves and our people to a love and gentleness again. Number three. You judge someone wrongly when you set up human standards rather than holding to God's word as this standard. There was Pharisees that came to Jesus, and yesterday I had a completely different preach. <laughs> Yakumi was probably like, Henry, your scriptures, Henry, your scriptures, and I'm like, I'm rewriting my whole preach. And I was going to preach on this section where a group of Pharisees came to Jesus, and they, not the, the law of God, but they imposed their own law on God, and they said, and as you look at face value at this, they accused him for not washing hands. What's that all about? But actually what they were doing is they were taking their own standard and their own law and they were pushing it to the level of God's law and even further and saying, you must obey our law, God. So what Jesus then responded to them is, and, and he, Jesus said to them, well, the desire prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, the people honor me with their lips, but their hearts is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandments of God and hold the traditions of men. So I must say, I found it difficult to explain this, but I think the best would be is to throw myself under the bus and to show you where I was in a, a modern-day Pharisee uh, the other week. <laughs> And I have something in me that I, I am a leader in God's household. I've, I've, I'm called by God to lead God's people. And I have opinions. And opinions are always like armpits. There's always two and they both sting. Okay? <laughs> they're not facts. They're not facts. They're opinions. And what we do is we take our opinions and we make it facts. And then we take our facts and we make it law. Then we make it law and say God obey. People obey. And we stand so strongly on our opinions and no longer the Word of God. So it happened in, in Wellington. And then I sat Mike Dufay down and I'm like, Puti, Osmut Prat. <laughs> and I spoke to Mike and I, and I pointed out things in the church. And, and, and it, wasn't, it wasn't salvation issues. It wasn't major things. And then I came to Stellenbosch with a little bit of that same heart, a lot of that same heart, to Leonard. And I'm like, Leonard... Henry is here. <laughs> I will show you the better way. Yeah. And then I start to not ask questions, but I tell him already how I think the worship should run. Or I tell him how I think that how our com leaders need to lead in such a way. Or how I think a service needs to. And it's not. It's just bringing things. And Leonard went like. <laughs> and I got a fright. I'm like, but I'm right. What do you mean? And I was offended for about 10 seconds. 
they, Andrew said they, he doesn't allow uh, elders to be offended more than 10 seconds. <laughs> Get over it. Follow God. But there was something in me that is like, he's not recognizing me. He's not recognizing my voice. But what I started to do is I started to elevate my opinion and how I think things should be done around here rather than come in a humble heart and say, I've never been in my life in Leonard's shoes. Not one of us can say you've ever been in a church that grew with about 300, 290 people in two and a half years. You know the amount of problems that that brings. The amount of sin comes into a room with that. (laughs) Do you know the amount of pressure that is on one man and I've never even considered to put myself in his shoes. Do we give them the benefit of the doubt of do we take our opinion and elevate it above Leonard, above the elders? The elders should know this. The elders, I know this, so they should know it. And we get that attitude and then we don't come humbly in a place like, let me go ask. Every time I've asked, I've asked this week actually, and I was amazed the understanding that came, the wisdom that came, that I didn't understand everything. There were things that shaped in me that I thought I knew. I never knew. I never knew. I thought I knew. Let us not even look to our community leaders and say, Why, if I lead a com, we will multiply every two months. Because I know the way. You don't. <laughs> You've never led a com. You don't know. Maybe you have led a com. You've never led that people. It's different every time. So let us not put ourselves in the shoes of everyone else thinking we know. Let's come humbly and ask. Number four. You judge someone wrongly when you do not first judge your own sin before trying to help with his or her sin. Um, Matthew 7, 1 to 5 says the following. Do not judge others, and you will not be judged, for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And then it goes to that famous part and says, And why worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, Let me help you get rid of the speck in your eye when you can see past the log in your own eye? That word, he's just hammering tonight. Hypocrites. First get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. I don't believe the scripture is saying that we cannot judge. If you read it in context, it's speaking about that the standard is here. And we say, no, no, no. Let's take the standard and we lift it up. It's speaking about a standard that we raise up against other people that's almost like God-like. But what we do is we put it on others, but we do not judge ourselves in that same matter or that same way. If you want to point out something in someone, do you have the same sin? And what I'm not saying is if you're struggling, for example, with sexual sin... And you see it in somebody else that you cannot point it out. I'm not saying that. What I am saying, if you are willing to point it out in them, are you willing to take the log out of your own eye? 
Are you willing to deal with it as well? Are you willing to confess, to walk in the light, to, to bring it into the light, to flee sexual immorality, to bring it in front of the leaders and your com leaders? Are you willing to deal with it? Or do we just point the finger and you should be like this? Because ultimately that's what the Pharisees done. They point the fingers the whole time and they don't judge themselves through that same standard. They judge the other people by their actions, but their hearts were prideful far from God. You might judge someone wrongly, and this is like a, that was point four, this is point four point two. You might judge someone wrongly when you're offended at someone or the church. I said might because your opinions might be right in this case, but usually it's not. When you are offended, it says the following, Proverbs 18 verse 19, an offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars. When you are offended, it's like putting on broken lenses and thinking you know where you're going. Thinking you see accurately. Thinking that you see through the lens of offense. So what you do, and I've been at this place many times, and I've put things in my life that I can actually see. Enrei, you're going in the rabbit hole. I get offended here about something small, just small, but then I, I, I keep it, and I don't speak about it. And then all of a sudden, every time I see the church, or I see that leader, or I see that person, I can just see what they're busy doing wrong. I can't see them honoring God in their worship. I can't see them putting hundreds of rands in the offering to God. I can't see them loving people. I can just see, oh, it's probably to be noticed. An offended heart is like a broken lens. It is difficult to see accurately when you're offended. I want to encourage us that we deal with offense quickly so that we can see more accurately. I'm going to rush the, the next couple of them. You, oh, that's an important one. <laughs> you judge someone wrongly when you share confidential or personal information with the wrong intent and not with them. I don't know if you've heard this, but this is a very common example that says, I want to know, I want to tell you about the situation so that you can pray with me. <laughs> so if I have something against Leonard, I go to Tom and Megan, can we just chat about the situation? I need to speak about Leonard and he is lying the whole time and he's da 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 da. Would you just pray with me? It's nothing to do with them. I have a tiff with Leonard, but then I involve other people. Yeah. Or oh, here's another one. The person sharing just want to, want to feel important because they know certain information. So then what we do is when we share certain things, we go like, yes, see guys, I just want to tell you about a new church plant happening. It's happening soon, eh? Lena told me personally, personally. And then we start to involve, and I share certain things just to look better. And I'll get to the point of judging now. Or you go to somebody else and then you say, I just want to get some input. I just want to get some input. So I need to go sort this thing out of Leonard. Can I just get some 10 people to give input into what's happening here? 
But what we do is we share damaging information. Sometimes I'm using Leonard as an as example, but then I go and I'm like sharing, sharing, and oh, his leadership is like that. And ultimately, I'm exalting myself and saying, I'm not like him. Sure. Not like him. And he can go and he's like, not him. And we push somebody else down so that you can look greater. And another one, I despise these words. I just need to vent a little bit. I just need to get it out. It's like, oh, I can't control it. I just need to vent. Guys, that's not the way of God. That's not the way of God. Venting is not from God. You can vent towards God, can vent at God. But what we do is we latch onto people and we involve them in a situation that was never theirs to be a part of. I see this very much <laughs> always in the context of church because we spiritualize our sin. We just put glitter around our sin and it looks great. But Matthew 18 verse 15 to 17, if a brother sins against you, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. Not go and vent, not to go get input, not to go, it's between you and the brother. Because when I have something against someone and I go to Brigitte and I say, you see Brigitte, do you know what Leonard did? Then I am breaking and distorting her lens. Next time she sees Leonard, next time she sees somebody in the church, she looks through my lenses and that information that was never hers to carry. So I want to encourage us. Yes, input is fine. Yes, we're not always wise with our words and things like that. But when you want input, don't go ask your 50 friends and the elders and the leaders and your dog. We love to involve everyone. Come to a place, come back. Deal with the issue yourself. If they don't listen, then you bring somebody. But it's first between you and them. Just want to see where I'm going to land. I think the last two I'm going to leave, um, but I'm going to do number six. You judge someone wrongly when out of a self-righteous spirit you criticize over minor and different matters. Luke 18, 11, once again a Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you God that I'm not like the other people. Cheaters, sinners, adulterers, I'm certainly not like the tax collectors. I think we need to take in a posture of saying, God, remind me daily of my salvation and how far I have fallen. Because we forget. In this week, Leonard spoke with others notice into my life that I, I sometimes put people to a different standard than when, what people held me to. When I came into leadership, I was technically 18 years old. I was still in school, a youth leader. Messed up. I was really messed up. And they put me in leadership. I'm like, what did they do? It's like, it's so weird. But then when I take other people, I'm like, I I elevate the standard. I'm like, you need to match up to this. And we forget. Just remember where you came from. And I want to say that our judgment should not be even, yes, thank you, Lord, that I'm not like that other church down the road. There was a revelation that God gave me um, with Paul on the road of Damascus, and then I'm going to finish with that. 
When Paul was on the road of Damascus, he was um, on his way to persecute the church and kill Christians and imprison them. And then God came and knocked him off his high horse. And he said to him, Paul, Paul, or Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you judging me? And then the interesting fact is he wasn't persecuting God. He was persecuting the church. And then I heard the Lord speak to me and say, Henry, every time you speak badly about my bride, it's like you're throwing mud to my wife. And I, in a sense, vowed in my heart, I'm like, you see, Lord, I don't agree with every church, but I'm not going to bash them. I'm not going to go around and say, those people, I'm glad I'm not like them. We have like, we have charismatic worship. We, we have the real thing. We have the spirit. We have everything. We, we just have it all. Woe to us if we take in that high position, looking over, taking the judge seat and not going the low road. There might be people that heard the spirit of God move him and add them to that church and is really trying to follow Christ the best of their ability there. Let us not elevate ourselves not above people, not above churches, and ultimately not above God. So I want to encourage us that this is how not to judge. And there is ways how we can judge one another and move one another into the more of Jesus. And ultimately it is to build one another up. Go and read the other scriptures that is there that speaks about building one another up um, in the faith. But how not to judge? Let's take a low road. Let's be gentle with one another. Let's love one another. Let's restore one another in gentleness. And let's come back to that thing of that they will know. The people outside, they will know, one, will know us by the love we have for one another. Amen? Can we commit to that? Really, I, wanna, I, w- I really want to see us as a church walk in victory in this area and not take in that place of the high road, the Pharisee mindset, the modern-day Pharisee going around and pointing fingers. But truly taking the road of saying, God, God, help me take out this log. Help me to cover. Help me. That when I do judge, because there is godly judge, when I do judge, I judge in a godly way. Amen? I'm going to pray for us. Father, we do want to thank you um, for your church, Lord. That we are part of something glorious. That on that day we, we will have the privilege of when, when they call Josh Jen Church. Josh Jen will come to the front and we will be given in marriage to God or however that would work Lord. But it's something beautiful that in this life we have the opportunity and privilege to be made more like Jesus. So, Father, I do trust that by your Spirit, it might not be that we get all of this wrong, but, Lord, where we do get this wrong, we repent. I repent, God. I repent for for times of of putting myself in positions that I shouldn't. I repent, God, for times where um, I've I've pointed fingers, I've raised the standard, or, or just tried to, in a sense, press down my own opinion, Lord. Lord, I trust for the eyes of heaven. I trust for your eyes that when we look at people, we see through eyes of love. Lord, we need your spirit in this. Holy Spirit, we need you. In Jesus' name, amen.